This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And today on the show, we're going to recap Saturday's game as we do each and every week. Uh, this time, we are going to uh, obviously look back at the blowout win over the, the Massachusetts Minutemen, but we're also going to try to get a look at the bigger picture as we near the postseason. So we'll have all that covered for you guys here in just a few minutes. But first, I do want to thank all of you guys for supporting our show and just listening in today. We really do appreciate it. And we do also want to remind you that if you want more of our content, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our premium content on Podbean. It's only $2 a month, and for that, you get access to our mailbag shows, game preview shows, and recruiting talk, and really anything else we have throughout the year. We'll do some basketball stuff here as the football season ends as we carry on through the uh, football offseason. But um, if you want to get into our premium content, all you got to do is go to our Twitter accounts, at Glory underscore UGA. You can click on our profile link there. It'll take you straight to our Podbean page. You can click uh, the little yellow Buy Now button on the right side there if you're on a PC. If you're on um, your computer, mobile device, you just scroll down to the bottom of that uh, mobile page, and it'll have that same little yellow Buy Now button. You click that. Put in your information, boom, within a minute or two, you are in. You have access to all of our content, quick, easy, and again, only $2 a month. So, uh, yeah, pretty easy if that's something that you guys are interested in. Uh, and we definitely appreciate all of you guys that have already jumped on board and helped us out by subscribing to the premium content there. But, um, all right, let's go ahead and move into some football talk. Kurt, it was an offensive explosion for the Dogs on Saturday against UMass. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, it's – Kind of eye-boggling. I mean, you got 701 total yards, which is the most total yards we've had since 2012. We had a game against UAB that season. We also had 11.3 yards per play, which is astronomical no matter who you're playing. Also the most since that game against uh, UAB in 2000. I, I should say it wasn't UAB. It was Florida Atlantic in 2012. I'll take that back. Florida Atlantic in 2012. Uh, we had 426 yards rushing. We got a lot of guys that got into the game there. And added to that rushing total. And honestly, I went back and looked as far as I could to try to figure out when the last time we had more than 426 yards rushing. I went all the way back to 2002 and just stopped. That's at least the most rushing yards we've had since 2001, at least. I can go back further. I just didn't have time. I can go back year after year after year. But it's been, you know, at least 15 plus years since we've had that many yards rushing in a single game. We also scored on every single possession. Other than the final one where we just took a knee, we could have scored in that, on that position if we really wanted to. Not one single punt. So an incredible offensive performance by our dogs, Kurt. But let me ask you this, man. Like, How much can we really take away from this game? Um, I think we could actually take a lot away. And I think the biggest thing was that because the, you know we had a lot of big plays and things like that, but the thing that I liked the most was it was from people that we don't always see it from. A lot of guys getting on the act there. And I think, I think to me, that was the nicest thing. Um, you know, the, the three people that you have to talk about, um, James Cook finally making an impact. Um, you know, you finally get to see him break Doesn't he run. look so dangerous? 
He does, and that's the one thing I noticed about him. And um, you know, he just he he just shifts so well, and I think that's what shocks me. Um, it, it, so it, I really think it's kind of like it's it really tells you how much talent we have in our back. But a guy like that cannot get more touches than he does. Exactly. I think the one thing that showed me also a lot was, uh, I mean, James Cook with the way he ran the ball. He reminds me of like a more balanced Keith Marshall, the way they ran. Absolutely. I can totally see um, that. And, you know, the kind two of that others. upright running style. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The two others that you have to go with, you have to go with, uh, I mean, Justin Fields, of course. Of course. And, yeah. We'll get to him more here in a second. And then Tyler Simmons. You know, he's been coming on more and more late this so far this as we get more and more into the season and it was nice to see uh him you know continue to make plays he's always done such a great job uh blocking out there and to see him actually get rewarded with some with some big touchdowns it's really nice to see and he's he's a, he's a good athlete man it really is uh so, but you're i mean really how much are you taking away from that are you gonna look at that game and say man like, we can really beat bama now look at we put 700 yards up on massachusetts is that something that we can say at this point no, not at all. But I think the one thing that you can say is you can see the other players getting better. As you know, right. as we mentioned with Fields, you know, I thought for the most part he actually did good uh, looking through his reads, or you know, just just he looked more comfortable. You know, he yeah. didn't. He, you know, it seemed like the game slowed down a little bit for him. As, even I mean, even though like it was against a lesser team, you know, last time we played a lesser team, he didn't look this comfortable at quarterback. So I think that's the one thing I took away from that. Yeah, I think and, more than anything, really for me, kind of you say, even though it's a lesser team, the fact is we executed at an extraordinarily high rate offensively, didn't we? Yeah, because I mean, there was other times we played lesser teams before, and we didn't. You know, we, we don't execute like that. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I, I don't care who you're playing. Uh, and this is not an FCS team, guys. Okay, they're 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 they are an FBS opponent. That's a non. They they don't play in a conference. They're independent, but they are not an FCS team. Right? This is not a Division Two team. They were years ago, but they've been in the FBS for a couple years now. And they're not a great FBS opponent. No, they're not. But I mean, I detailed last week. You know, they they went into Knoxville last year and almost won that game. They were they they had a, a chance with a drive late in that game to actually win that game in Knoxville. They lost seventeen thirteen. Now Tennessee was terrible last year. Yes, but like this UMass team has played in big environments like this. They're not a complete pushover. I mean, they have, I mean you saw what Andy Isabella can do. They got they, they can throw the football, but and now their defense is terrible. I mean they were they were at the bottom of the list in the in the FBS in almost every category. And we talked about that last week. I thought we could have a huge running game uh, running day against them because they're about one twenty seventh nationally in rush defense. And lo and behold, we have our biggest output in the last fifteen plus years. Uh, but still, like this is an FBS team and. You have to go out and execute, and even if you, it's a lower level team, if you don't execute, you're not going to have that kind of day. Now, we should, no matter who it is, like if it's a, if it's a lower level team, we should still beat them handily, which we did. But it's it's got to be at least encouraging to a degree, right? The fact that we we had a few penalties, but like you had one on the goal line, we get we get a false start there. But doesn't it give you at least some degree of confidence moving ahead the rest of the way that we can that we finally started to kind of put it together offensively, really execute in this game? Um, I think it has to. I think not only execution-wise, but I thought, you know, we've been finding some, you know, something with our personnel decisions, you know, what works and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, look, I mean, to not punt at all in any football game, that, that's an accomplishment. You know, we didn't punt one time. Again, it speaks to the execution uh, that we saw on Saturday, and I just hope that we can kind of build off of that. Now, you can, again, you can't sit here and say, oh, man, we just put up 700 yards against UMass. Now, let's bring on Bama right now. Like, no, no, that doesn't necessarily equate like that. But, again, it's the it's the little things, being able to execute in ways that we haven't, even against lesser opponents at times this year. Being able to see that, to me, is encouraging. I think it's at least a step in the right direction offensively. We've been good offensively all year, but we've also had those times where we've bogged down, we've had stupid penalties. Uh, guys, you know, whether it's a quarterback missing a guy down the field, 
uh, Lyman missing a block, whatever it might be. We've had some moments where we just aren't clicking on all cylinders. But that was not the case. And we basically did anything and everything we wanted to do on Saturday, which I, I, I can't – I mean, it has to be at least a positive sign moving forward here. Uh, but all right, like since this was UMass, and there is honestly no need to break down every single little aspect of this game. I don't know how many of you would want to listen to that. We all saw. We all know what happened there. Uh, so what we thought we would do is have a little bit of fun with this uh, uh, today and kind of discuss the game. Yeah, of course. But also look at the bigger picture by playing a little buy or sell. This is something we like to do during the offseason. If you guys have been with us for a while, you know that. Uh, so let's have some fun. Let's bring the buy or sell back for today's show and kind of approach this uh, recap show that way. So, Kurt, you mentioned Justin Fields. You got him a little bit. I want to talk about him a little bit more here. So our first question here, Kurt, buy or sell, our first statement I should say, buy or sell, Justin Fields needs to be a bigger part of our offense the rest of the way. Uh, I, I think you have to buy that. I think the biggest reason is you see him finally getting more, a little bit more comfortable in the passing game. And we've seen already the last couple weeks what he can do and the difference he can make in the run game just number-wise and things like that. So I think that's the more you get him comfortable in the passing game, you know, the more deadly he can move, especially against in the goal line. You saw him uh, do the RPO and things like mm-hmm. that and, you know, do score We actually run a zone read on the goal line? Whoa. Who would have thought that could have been a successful play? And then, you know, you even saw his athletic ability. You know, uh, the guy took a great angle, and Justin just had a really nice little spin move type situation. So, I mean, you see that what he can do. So, I think you have to say yes. I mean, especially with him being comfortable, you're you're crazy not to try to get him on the field. I I tend to agree with you there. I mean, look at his numbers from Saturday. 5 of 8 passing, 121 passing yards, two touchdowns, and another one that was dropped by Demetrius Robertson. Uh, seven carries for 100 yards rushing, one touchdown there. Uh, he comes in in the third drive of the game, which I know Kirby always says the plan is there's no plan. Didn't it kind of feel like there was more of a plan this week, though? Um, I think they knew. Right, I think they knew when they originally wanted him to take over drive. I think they're probably the idea. Like, I don't know, but if, if I'm guessing, I'm saying they're thinking, okay, well, if we start the game off well, we score the the two opening possessions, defense holds, we'll get we'll get him in there in that third drive. Like, I think that's a reasonable way to look at how they were probably approaching that because I mean that's about as early as he's coming in the game. Um, and he, he performed really, really well. So you say that he does need to be a bigger part of our offense wrestling. You're buying that. Let me ask yeah, you I mean, this. I know it is UMass, but it just – He just he executed, it, man. I don't, even, like, if, even, if, even if throws look a lot more Chris Earlier in the year, he would have some open receivers, but he's overthrown. Well, no, I think it doesn't matter who you're playing. You have to be able to put the ball out there. The, the throw to Miko doesn't – if he's playing Alabama and Miko's out there, he hits that throw. I mean, exactly, and I, I thought I thought his deep ball looked very well. Gorgeous. That throw, the throw to uh, Demetrius right to in the breadbasket. And one thing he's done well this year, he has thrown to the tight ends well. And you saw it with that uh, RPO where he threw the knot for like a fifty-yard gain. I mean, that's been there because number-wise, the, the the you know what he creates. The defense only has so many guys. You can only defend so many people. Yeah, and you throw Fields out there. He's another weapon you have to count for in the run game. Again, you can only defend so many people. Uh, okay, so he, you're saying he, you're buying that he does need to play more. So let me ask you this: How much more does this guy need to be playing the rest of the way? Now that's a tough question because I mean Jake has played. You know, Jake is playing. Played I mean Jake played, Jake Jake completed 100 percent of his passes yesterday. Yeah, and Jake's played better ever since the LSU game. Yes, um, but it's it's you know it's not a knock on Jake. Jake's a leader. He's one of the you know one of the top people on this team. But there are just certain things, certain situations and dynamics that Justin creates that Jake just can't do. Hundred percent true. There, I agree with that a thousand percent. However, I would also say still at this point there are things that Jake can do that Justin Fields cannot do. Oh. 
in terms of his knowledge of the game. And I don't question that at all because, you know, his leadership, I think the game has slowed down. You know, I said it's just starting to slow down for Justin, but that's not – the game is very slow for sure. Jake, and Jake sees things that Justin has. Yeah. I mean, Justin doesn't come in having to make audibles and things. Yeah, but so, that but touchdown, I, that, I, the I long touchdown that Jake down. had, that was, he audibled out of that – whatever the – they audibled first, and Jake sees the audibles out of that and then hits – uh, Simmons on a 70-plus yard touchdown play. I yeah, don't know exactly. if Justin Fields is ready to do that right now. Exactly. And, I, you know, that's why I agree with you. I mean, there, it goes both ways. But I think there are things that Justin creates that that just make things Absolutely. harder. Like there, the, the scramble where he got – it was was a third quarter. Uh, when yeah, he, after he got hit. And yeah. And he goes on a third down 12 and gets – and then not only does he get a first down, but he muscles it and gets all the way down to the like, two. Yeah, he, he basically puts his head down on the nine-yard line and gets all the way to the two-yard line. At first I was like, what are you doing, dude? Go out of bounds. But it's like, oh, okay, you got seven yards. All right. Uh, and that you're right. That's something Jay Fromm can't do. Jay Fromm will never be able to do that. Uh, that's yeah, just, I mean, I kind of like – Jake has done well on third downs, but there are some times, especially throughout this year, where he's taking sacks and things like that. Early in the year, yes, but he's been much better lately. Oh, no, and that's what I said. He has been better. But just, like you said, it's just something he could never do. Yeah. And that's where this this whole battle and where it's going to go the next couple years, it's just like – what what we saw from Fields athletically, again, Jake Fromm will never be able to do that. What we see from Fromm and from a mental standpoint, yeah, he's – I think he's head still head and shoulders above – Better than Fields at that point, at that right now, but you can't sit here and say that Fields would never be able to do that. Yeah, and I, you know, as, as you're saying that, I, I think that is a great point. Like we said, like you know, with all the athletic stuff I've been saying, Jake can never do. He'll never be so able to do he, it. it. That's never going to change. But the things about seeing the field, the audibles, and things like that, and the, how comfortable we are, that's stuff that can change. Yeah, yeah. Down the road, I, I still, I mean, I still think that Jake is the guy right now. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how we'll see how it develops. I mean, I can't I can't predict the future and tell you what it's going to look like. I can just tell you why I see right now that Jake is still the guy. Um, Fields looked outstanding, man. I'm not sitting here and saying he didn't. I mean, his raw talent was on full display Saturday. You saw the speed. You mentioned the power, putting your head down, and just plowing ahead. You saw that as a runner. You saw his ability to evade the pass rush and scramble for first downs. And of course, you saw what he can do with his arm, which we haven't yeah. seen much. But I mean, those two deep balls—the one to to Miko for the touchdown, the one that the should have been touchdown to Demetrius, where he just dropped in the end zone—those two deep balls. 100% truly could not have been thrown better. The one to me called, I mean, he hit him in stride. Other than that, yeah, well, that one to me called perfectly in stride. But the one, I got to say, those that wasn't the most impressive throw to me. The most impressive throw to me was actually the one on the goal line to Ridley because he, you know, that's the last one where you see a young guy freak out. Okay, I, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Here's what I saw there. Yes, I mean, he put that ball on the money there and sliced between two defenders, but I— I saw like the, he looked great in so many ways, but I still saw some instances where he needs to improve his decision making. I I honestly think that t- that touchdown pass to Ridley, I think that was a dangerous throw. Oh, it was a very dangerous, dangerous throw. I, what, I, what I'm impressed with is his presence. You know, he stayed there and took the hit. Took, yeah, took the hit and still. I mean, I think the one thing that he saw, I saw also there was his arm strength. Oh yeah, he 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 fit that ball into a very tight window. I mean, it was a great throw. You're right, the poise standing there and taking that hit. I mean, but if you go back and watch that play, and I, and I was watching because where I sit is kind of right there uh, in the stadium. So what I saw, I mean, the safety the safety was undercutting that route, and now he fit it in there, and it was a touchdown. So it all looks good. Everyone's happy. Yeah, we, you know, we got six on the board. Everyone cheers. It's great. It looked awesome. But I would say, I guess a better team with a better athlete at that position that could very easily be a pick. Very oh, easily. I won't, I won't yeah, so I mean, I just like it looked great, and it, it showed his arm strength. It showed his ability to, to stand in the pocket there. Absolutely, I agree with you there. I'm just not sure that's an advisable decision in the red zone. 
I'm just not sure it is. It worked out in this case, but again, I, I don't know. If you play Alabama or whoever we're playing, is that is that always going to work out that way? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, and then I don't, and this is good. This is nitpicking, but I'm just uh, talking about get, trying to give some examples of where I think he still needs to improve his decision making. There's an, on the drive right before the half, uh, he swung the ball out to DeAndre Swift, uh, who had two defenders bearing down him, like like in his face basically. And Swift stuck his hand out there uh, and it kind of tipped the ball up, and that easily could have been another pick, and maybe even a pick six if the guy actually picks it off. And they got away with it on, the, on that play. Got away with it. But that won't always be the case. So I think that there are some cases where his decision-making needs to improve. Now, after that play, he did come right back the next play with the absolutely gorgeous 57-yard touchdown bomb to Mecole. So he's got a little bit of good and bad there. But, I mean, to me, it's like you see the raw talent. It's on full display. And, it, like he, I mean, what he brings to the table is on full display on Saturday. It's just I still have questions about his decision-making right now and full knowledge and comprehension of this offense. I think he's getting better. He's improving. The more he plays, you can see it, right? The more he plays, the more confidence he gets. Um, so, I, but I just, I still have questions. You put in a big time moment against a big time team with great defensive personnel. Will it look like it looked against Massachusetts? Because I, I still think there's some cases where the decision making is not necessarily quite there yet. But I st- obviously still have very high hopes for him. Is very impressed by what I saw there. Uh, do you think we're going to play him more? I mean, you said that you would. You would buy that, but do you really think that our coaching staff is going to put him in more as uh, we get down the stretch here? I think they are because, I mean, you've seen the last couple weeks ever since the LSU game, he's been playing a little bit more and more here and there. Well, the Florida game didn't play at all, but after that he's played more and more. You're right. Exactly, but I think think after this, the thing is – you know, they're getting to the situations where they're seeing things, that, you know, seeing stuff, him do stuff that just Jake can't, you know, especially on this, the big runs and things like that. I would still say, like, when we when we put him in there, there are a few things that we do with him that we don't necessarily do with Fromm, but he's still pretty much running the same offense that Jake Fromm runs, and I get that's what he wants, what the coaches want, but dude, I think we could use him so much more effectively. I really do. Like, like watch Texas play. If we use Justin Fields like they use Sam Ellinger at Texas, I don't know if anyone can stop him. Like, I really don't. I, I think he's a better version than Sam Ellinger, and we just don't really – I don't know if we maximize his ability. I know he wants to be a pro-style guy, and I get that. I think he can still be that, but we can incorporate some more uh, things schematically that really maximize what he brings to the table. I, I that's, that's just one little qualm I still have with how we use him. Uh, I'm, I like that we're getting him involved more. I would just – Say that there are ways that we can use him a little bit differently that can make him more effective, even more than effective than he has been. Uh, but I'm with you, man. I, I do think we're going to work him in more. Uh, I think our coaches are realizing he is a weapon, and he gives us another way to, to attack defenses. And here's the other thing, too. By virtue of playing him like this, don't we also force opposing defenses to spend time during the week preparing for him? Oh, yeah, 100%. You have to give them something, you know. It's something to, to game plan for and yeah. always be thinking about. You still only get 20 hours a week, man. 20 hours a week prepare, so that's – you know, one more thing like that you have to prepare for, spend practice time doing, spend meeting time doing, film time studying. That's taking time away from, from preparing for all the other little things we do. And, and, and I don't know if everybody notices this. We're actually a tough team to prepare for because we use so many different personnel groupings and motions. And, and people don't give Chaney credit for that, but he's tough to prepare for just because of the different personnel groupings, the guys that he uses out there, how we move things around. It's tough. And you add fields in there as well. That's just another thing to prepare for. That's going to, I think, take away from what defenses can do preparation-wise compared to what we do on, on, on a normal basis. So, yeah, I think we're going to play a little bit more. And you, if you look at the trend, I mean, after not playing at all against Florida, he's playing more and more each game, becoming more and more a part of the game plan. 
and I, I think there's no reason to, to, to say that that's going to, to stop here as we move forward the rest of the way. All right, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, so on Saturday against UMass, now, yeah, I know it was UMass, but still, we were 3-for-3 three three in the red zone, specifically inside the 10-yard line. We were 3-for-3. Three three. So, Kurt, buy or sell, our offensive red zone woes have been solved. I think you have to sell it just because it, we're going to have to do it against a strong D-line. Yeah, I mean, look, it's we went west. Florida, we get three games. Florida, uh, Kentucky, and Auburn having the same issues in three straight games. So we're just going to sit here and say now after one game against Massachusetts, it's all solved. Uh, I hope it is, but I, I, I'm with you. I think we have to do this against a legitimate defense. Um, I, it, it's encouraging, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you do this, if you have the same problems again against UMass, then it's really like, oh, my freaking God, what is going on? I will say I liked how we approached it a little bit better, don't you? Agree. I think we spread it out a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, we spread it out a little bit more. And that was the problem is we we were in tight. You already you already condensed there in the, in the red zone anyway. There's not as much room down there to operate in the first place. And then we go tight looks like that. It, it condenses things even further. It makes it just – there's just no room to really operate. So when we spread it out a little bit, we give ourselves a little more room to operate, and good things happen. Also, when you have a mobile quarterback in there that can run a little bit of zone read and they can't crash in the backside like they were against Florida and Kentucky and a little bit against Auburn as well, all of a sudden it makes it tougher to defend. So I, I'm hopeful that we've at least uh, found some ways to attack different teams in the red zone. I, before I sit here and say that it is 100% solved, I would, like, to, like you said, like to see it against legitimate defenses. But it certainly uh, made me feel a little bit better as we move forward here. Uh, all right, so the next thing here, now Massachusetts. Again, not an FCS team. It's an FBS opponent. Play a full FBS schedule. But they put up 27 points and 390 total yards against our defense. So, Kurt, buy or sell, we should be alarmed by that offensive output by UMass. Uh, I'm selling it. I think the biggest reason was almost most of it was created by that one receiver, and a lot of that came Isabel, especially yeah. in third group. Of, you know that that hat, that uh, halfback or you know the sleep flicker, whatever throwback play. Yeah, yeah. Chris Smith took a ta- you know just got completely beat. Like his first play back. in the game. Yeah, and so I think that's one of the biggest things was. I mean, yeah, the guy he's a great receiver, and he got some yards against our first group, but you know a big bulk of them came against the second group. Well, he had uh, before we basically brought in our second. I mean, it, it was mass substitutions at that point. What you're talking about there before that point, uh, where he had that long 75 yard touchdown catch, he had 12 catches. That's a lot, but for only 95 yards. I mean, they were trying to get the yeah, ball to him every the, play. Was, a lot of his catches, we were. I mean, we were doing a good job getting to him quickly. Yeah, I mean, they were they were they were essentially trying to get the ball to him every single time they they called a play. So yeah, he had 12 catches, but when you hold him to 95 yards on those 12 catches, only 7.9 yards of reception. That's holding that dude in check. That guy's an NFL receiver, by the way, people. Okay, that dude's gonna be on the NFL. He's gonna be on the New England Patriots roster. Okay, <laughs> isn't that exactly the kind of guy they have on their roster? 100. That's exactly who he reminds me of. But uh, he's a good player, man. Again, I like we said last week. This dude is leading America, all of the United States of America, and. And uh, receiving coming into this game, so he was really good. I thought we did a really good job holding him in check until we had mass substitutions come in. Because I mean, yeah, they had 390 total yards. What they ended up with, 150 of those yards came in two drives. Uh, their last two drives of the game after those mass defensive substitutions. So if you really look at it through about three-ish quarters, our our starters held them to under 250 yards of offense. To me, that's getting the job done. Yeah, it wasn't always free. They had some plays, but like we we are. Our starters held that team in check. I mean, really, it was 
it was not a major issue. Um, if you look at it if, now, if you're just looking at the box score, you're like, oh my god, Georgia, what's going on? Like some of the lazy re- reporters and some of the national pundits like to do, then you might think, oh my god, that's, the, the, Georgia should be alarmed. But no, really, if you pay attention and actually watch the game, look at the context. I think it's, it tells a totally different story there. And again, Andy Isabella is really good. He'll be playing on Sundays next year, guys. I mean, he he is good. Uh, so no, I'm not too alarmed by. It. I would like our our backups to be able to kind of hold hold the fort down a little bit better. But I'm a guy like Chris Smith. He hasn't played much at all this year. I'm really they, they, that was the first play he was in the game. If my uh, memory serves me correctly, they went after him there. He just completely got got pulled in, sucked in by the initial uh, initial pass there. And then, of course, Isabella is just running right down the field. But he's a good player. Isabella is a very good player. Uh, all right, next one here. So I was wondering, you know, early in the game, I was talking to my wife, and I was like, where's Monty Rice? Like, what is going on here? Then, Kurt, you texted me during the game and said that he was on crutches on the sideline. And shortly after that, one of my other friends texted me and something the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, what is going on? Then I didn't try to figure out what was happening. And lo and behold, it sounds like he hurt his foot in pregame warm-ups which is so maddeningly frustrating that I can't describe it. I mean, I don't know what it is, but if it's something like that, how they're describing it, it can very easily be a stress fracture, which sucks. It'll probably be out the rest of the year if that's the case. Hopefully it's not, but we'll see. So let's just say Monty Rice is out, all right, the next two weeks. Buy or sell. If Monty Rice is out the next two weeks with his foot injury, Channing Tindall needs to be inserted as the fourth man in our four-man inside linebacker rotation. He truly needs to be in that rotation. Are you buying or selling that? I'm buying that. Because one, one of the first things I noticed when he came in, there was this one run. Uh, Nate Trez, it was Nate Trez's side. But I thought I just noticed how instinctively uh, Tindall came through and just plugged through the hole and made the tackle. Absolutely. Hundred uh, percent. I mean, I, it's one of the first times I was like, "All right," I, you know. I look over. I was like, "Wow, he's in." And then what do I see? I do, just see him doing a great job of instinctively, instinctive you know, linebacker like, stuff. And he, and he he popped the guy too. Gets through, and it, it's not. And he went through a good four or five, you know, a good group of people to step yeah. into it and make the play. Something that we yeah. haven't seen all year. Physically, you see it, man. Like, there's no doubt about it. He is physically of the guys in the rotation. He's superior to all of them. There's just there's there's zero doubt about that. Now, the, the question becomes, is he ready from a mental standpoint right now, knowledge of the system, understanding what to do? Uh, there was a play. I mean, just to give you an example, there's a play. Uh, I don't know if you can see it on the TV copy, uh, but there was a play where he gives up a, a a pass. It wasn't a huge game or anything like that. It was a completion. Kirby immediately pulls him right back out of the game and is, like, ripping him up and down on the sides. I sat there and just watched it. Um, so there's still things like that where he doesn't exactly know what to do at all times. The experience is not there. But – Right now, like with our, who I mean, Monty Rice is our best sense linebacker, right? In terms of like his ability, his instincts, and his knowledge of what's going on. With him out, are we good enough to win the SEC with him out? I, I just I don't think we are, and I'm not saying that Channing Tunnel's gonna be the magic bullet. But I think he'll at least give us a chance there. Because I mean, you can't say you can't not because or uh, he can't because then if you think about it, um, you know, Tay Crowder still messes up. Yeah, he does. I mean, it, to me, the bottom line is like, okay, Rice is not necessarily a great player himself at this stage in his career, but he's the best that we have right now, right? In terms of talent, and knowledge. I don't think he's a great player, but he's still the best that we have in terms of talent, and knowledge right now. And I, I look at look at the other guys, and look, I, I take no joy in saying this. I really do not, because this guy stuck around. And he's worked hard, but Jawan Taylor just simply cannot get the job done as a three down linebacker. Am I missing something? No. 
He just simply cannot. And the reasons for that, they were on full display on Saturday. He was thrust into duty. He had to be a three-down backer a lot of the time. I mean, th- just one play in particular. There's on an end around in the second quarter that went for 42 yards, if you guys remember that play. Juwan Taylor needed to be there in position to make that play. But he couldn't because he got absolutely pancaked. Got flattened. Like, he was weird. Like, he didn't even have to get blocked by the guy. He, like, tried to engage him, didn't really need to engage him, was very hesitant in doing it, and then just got freak, freaking pancaked. And then I, I think Natres is a better option than Taylor, but Natres has his limitations as well. I mean, there was a play uh, where he got beat by a fullback out of the backfield on one play uh, and got beat for completion there, and he looked lost doing it. So I just, honestly, without Monty, I just don't know. With Natres, uh, Crowder, and Taylor, I just I don't know if we're good enough to like, really even be super competitive on the defense side of the ball with some of the teams that we're going to have to beat if we want to go where we want to go. I just it, it scares the hell out of me. And I know Tindall doesn't always know what to do, but you 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 said it exactly right, Kurt. Like physically, he looks the part. Even even Quay Walker. Now, obviously, Quay Walker seems to be a little further away than Tindall does, uh, by virtue of the fact that he just gets in a little bit later than Tindall. But like when you when when Quay Walker got out there, did you pay much attention to him? I did. I saw. I, well, I saw. I thought he did a great job tackling the space. Uh, yeah, exactly. Again, just like Tindall. He's head and shoulders above a better athlete, like no questions asked, than guys in our regular rotation. Now, him and Tindall don't know exactly what to do. All right, they don't have the experience. But Jesus, man, like I don't, it, I just to me, it almost it almost doesn't matter at this point. They don't exactly know what to do because the guys that are in there right now, even if they know what to do, they're just not going to get the job done. They just they just don't. So I, I'm almost like just throw them in there and just see what they can do. And I know that's not a perfect answer either because they're probably going to get burned and make some mistakes and it'll be bad. It's just man. I just don't like our situation inside linebacker. I haven't liked it all year. You guys know that. And now with Rice going out potentially for a couple of weeks, I like it even less. So, but yeah, I, I'm gonna buy it too. I think Tindall needs to, like if if we're one man down, we've been going with a four man rotation. Let's keep that four man rotation up and let's just plug Tindall in there and let him get more and more playing time and just see what happens, man. I mean, like Alabama had to do it last year, right? Like with Mac Wilson, like they had to do it last year because of the injuries and everyone was real freaked out for them. But those those guys like Mac Wilson were significantly more talented. Than some of the other guys. And then you put them in there. Yeah, they had some growing pains here and there. But by the time it got to crunch time, they were ready to play. And they played at a really high level. So I don't, I don't know why we can't at least try to follow that model. Because we just need athletes if we're going to beat Tech. And if we're going to beat Alabama and whoever in a bowl game. We've just got to, man. We've got to have more athletes out there in that position. Uh, all right. A uh, couple more here. You mentioned them a little bit earlier. But I'm going to go uh, one more time here. Buy or sell. Tyler Simmons needs to get more playing time at wide receiver. I mean, you got to buy it. You know, one of the things that had hurt him earlier in, the, in his career... He was starting right? at the beginning of the season. Let's not forget. Yeah. That he got yeah. hurt and he fell out of favor a little bit there. He's one of the best blockers. And I think um, his speed has been the one thing... I mean, has, his speed has been on showcase so far this year. Yeah. And now I think the more he's getting more comfortable catching the ball, things like that's making him more deadly. Um, you know, I saw a big change in him on that third down catch against Auburn. You yeah. haven't seen that type of trust put in him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember uh, it wasn't this past spring, uh, the spring before. So I guess the spring going into the 2017 season. Uh, I was watching the, one of the closed spring practice, spring scrimmages. I was able to get in and watch that. And uh, when Fromm was out there with the twos, Tyler Simmons was out there with the twos as well at receiver. And Simmons was 100% his go-to guy. Like, that was who he was hooking up with play after play after play. And Simmons was making major plays, man. And him and Fromm had something going on for real. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by that. Uh, To see, you know, Fromm against Auburn, find him there. And see Fromm find him there against uh, 
against Massachusetts on Saturday because I, I kind of saw that in that scrimmage. Now, that was an isolated situation. I get it. But I think this guy, I, let's not forget, Tyler Simmons, he was, like, I know he was technically only a three-star recruit, but he was highly coveted. I mean, remember, he was committed to Alabama, right? They fought for him. Yeah, they had, we fought hard for them. And they tried to, Alabama was trying to pull some shenanigans and like basically be meeting with them. We were there, so we couldn't meet with them and basically be with them all day. Kirby flies the chopper, the Kirby chopper, to, to McEachin High School where he, where he used to go and, uh, and and tried to meet with them there. Then Kirby brings the bulldog, the live bulldog, to his house on his in-home visit. I mean, we went out all the stops to get Tyler Simmons. And there was a reason for that. The guy is a really good athlete. Uh, and he's become a really kind of workmanlike blocker as well. And so, I mean, Kirby gushes about the guy every time he gets to talk about him. And if he's a bit, now he, you, we already know what he brings to the table as a blocker out there. I mean, him, I mean, arguably, I, I would say him and Holloman, right, are probably the two best. Uh, but he's arguably the best blocker on the team out there out wide. And he earned playing time. He was starting at the beginning of the year because of that. And Terry was also injured a little bit as well in the preseason, but still, he earned that. And then he gets hurt. Uh, and uh, kind of, and some other guys step into his spot, and make some plays, and now he's kind of earned some playing time back. But I'm with you; like you can see what this guy can do. He brings a lot to the table. He's a very valuable player for us, and doesn't get a lot of love. So I'm really happy for him. He's got three touchdowns combined in the last two games, and it's nice to see it kind of really paying off for him that hard work because he does a lot of the dirty work, man. But let me ask you this: I think we both agree that it'd be great to get him more playing time. But who do you play him in favor of? Who do you take out? Who plays what? Well, I hate to say it, but it, it's Terry because uh, Terry's his best position is in the slot, but he's not going to play in the slot that much. And if Nico's there. No, between Terry and Simmons, the speed yeah. is the big difference maker. The home run breakaway. True. I mean, Simmons has that on no doubt, but Terry's such a smooth operator, man. And he's got that veteran presence about him out there. I mean, Terry is, I think, our best route runner. I think he does the best job creating separation just by running routes. He doesn't have the speed, but his, his short area quickness is elite. Um, and we saw that against Auburn in that, in that long touchdown catch right before halftime. I mean, Terry's a really good player too, man. I, I, I'm with you though. Like we've always, I, I think we kind of misused Terry playing him out wide. I think he's a slot guy, but when you have a guy like Miko, Miko can't really play much outside. He's more of a slot guy too. So where do you find time for Terry? I don't know, man. I like guess I don't know who you sit. I don't know. Miko. I mean, Miko had the big play against, against UMass on Saturday, but I mean, since like the game against Missouri, when has Miko really done much at receiver this year? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, he's he's if you've been paying close attention, Miko's lost some playing time. I mean, a guy like Tyler Simmons has kind of been eating into that. So was Terry. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to work it there, but I, I do think we need to find a way to get Tyler Simmons out there a little bit more. I think he, he brings a lot of value to this team. Uh, all right, next one here. Buy or sell? Eric Stokes got his first start last or on Saturday against Massachusetts. So buy or sell? Eric Stokes is a better option at cornerback than Tyson Campbell right now. At this point in the stage, I have to buy it because I think he does a better job playing on the ball. He's just more. He's got more. He's playing with more awareness right now. It, to me, it's as simple as that. Um, he's he's doing a good job staying in position, but so is Tyson Campbell. The problem with Campbell, as we said all along, is he's in position. But he kind of freaks out, and he doesn't. He hasn't really flashed the awareness that you need to have out there. Like when the ball is in the air, like I don't know, turn around, and make an interception. Just kind of said like falling on a receiver. Uh, Stokes is doing a better job of that right now. I still say I like Tyson Campbell's long-term ceiling, right? Are you with me there? Yeah. Yeah, I still – and I'm not – I mean, Campbell was in there early. You know, he didn't start. But he was in there maybe the second or third drive. So it wasn't like we just completely threw him by the ways. He's still playing out there. They're still competing for jobs, for that job. But uh, Eric Stokes right now, from what I've seen – I haven't seen as much of him, but what I've seen, this guy – he, he does a really good job staying in position. He's got good speed, not quite as fast as Campbell, but not that much 
not 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 like really slower than him, that much slower than him. I mean, he's right there speed wise. They're both track guys. Doesn't have the length that Campbell has, but he has the awareness. He's in position and actually making plays on the ball, which is what Campbell wasn't really doing consistently. Not like he didn't do it ever, but he just wasn't doing it consistently. So I would say right now, I'm with you. I would buy this as well. Now we'll see next year how that kind of plays out. I think the, Campbell's issues are certainly something that he can work on. Let's not forget Stoke has the full year on Campbell anyway. So give Campbell a little bit more time in the system, and I think that he'll he'll work that out and be a really good player for us out of that corner position. Uh, all right, next one here. You mentioned him briefly at the beginning, Kurt. Let's bring him back into the picture here. Uh, we saw James Cook with two touchdowns on the day Saturday. Uh, looked really good doing it. So buy or sell, James Cook needs to get more touches the rest of the way. I buy that, and it's not that – I'm not saying he needs to get 10 to 15 touches, but two to three touches a game because he's just so explosive um, would, ha- would help. And here's the thing with Cook. I don't know – he hasn't been getting the ball really in games leading up to this one, but if you've been paying close attention – We've been we've had him in the game multiple times. Tried, he's been getting in trouble because he he either lines up wrong or does something wrong. Well, it, it, yeah, absolutely. And but also part of it is to me is like, are we setting something up? We're putting him in the game to show you that he, that every time he's in the game doesn't mean he's getting the ball, right? Yeah. So because if you just throw him in there every time he gets he gets in the game, he gets the football. Then it's it's much easier to to kind of handle that and to defend that. But if you put him in there a bunch of times and he doesn't get the football, then all of a sudden you kind of lull, lull the defense to sleep, and then boom, you hit James Cook with the big play, and that could change the game. And we saw, you saw what he was able to do with the ball in his hands. This guy is electric. I mean, he is absolutely electric. What we saw on Saturday, is that not what we saw from him at the open practice this summer? It is. That's exactly what we saw. Man, we, remember, we came back raving about James Cook. How he was the guy that stood up more than anybody that one practice. And it was one practice. But we saw that's what we saw, guys. That's what we were talking about. We haven't seen it much this year because he had a lot of big-time players in front of him with, with Holyfield, Swift, and, and Harry and to a lesser degree. But when he got his opportunity, again, I know it was Massachusetts. I don't want to freak out about it. But still, just the way the dude moves, man. He glides through. He's just so smooth out there. Talk about Terry being a smooth operator. You can say the same thing about James Cook. And you're totally right. Talk about uh, Keith Marshall. That very similar kind of upright running style. But Cook, man, hmm. He, I, he has wiggle that Keith Marshall could never dream of, uh, which I think is something that separates him from from Keith. There, all the Keith is really fast as him. I just didn't have the the side to side, the lateral quickness there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's but it's kind of like Simmons though. Like I, you see that at the, the athleticism, you're like, dude, get this guy the ball. But who gets less touches? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you've got you've got Holyfield's got to get his touches. I mean, he, he deserves them. Of course, you get Swift's touches. To me, I think James should be a third back, um, but. That's neither here nor there. But I think there's ways. It's kind of like it's kind of like with fields, right? Look at your personnel and find ways to use them that maximize their abilities. I think there are ways that we can use James Cook that can make him a very effective player for us. Even, even if like you're right, he gets three to four touches a game. I think there are ways that we can maximize what he can do on those three to four touches. I just think we need to get a little more creative there and find ways to get him the football. And I think he can really make some big plays for us down the stretch. I really, really do. All right, last one here. Another guy starting to see some more playing time these last couple of weeks. Got his first real start last week. He's kind of not, it's not even like a, a rotation with Richard LeCount, but kind of a personnel grouping decision here and when he's getting some playing time. Obviously, that is Otis, my man, Reese. Uh, so, Kurt, buy or sell, looking at who we're playing next week in Georgia Tech and, and what they like to do with that triple option offense, buy or sell, Otis Reese needs to play star against Tech in place of Tyreek McGee. Oh, I buy 
hundred percent. I was even gonna say you could almost play him instead of LeCount. LeCount's been taking such poor angles and poor tackling yeah. that I would almost start him a safety. But he's definitely a star because I think that's the weakest part of Tyreek McGee's game is coming up tackling, especially in runs. He's a willing Tyreek's a willing tackler. He's just a small I mean, dude. He's a willing tackle, but it's still he's his a small dude. Yeah, yeah. He's just so a small I, dude. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. I, 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 yeah, I think I have to buy that completely. Is and Otis is another guy. The more playing time he gets, doesn't he look more and more comfortable out there? He does. He does. I mean, against Kentucky, got some playing time. You can see. I mean, he was playing hard, but he, he didn't exactly always know what to do. He gave, he gave up the early touchdown to Auburn in that first drive, or the first touchdown for Auburn last week. He came, he bounced back and made some plays for us in that game. And I really thought against UMass. Again, I know UMass. Ah, yeah. But still, I thought against UMass, he looked ready to do something, man. Like he was. You remember his tape from high school? How he yeah. would like cut people in half. I saw him do that a couple times against UMass. And oh, that one tackle! Was oh yeah, amazing. he lit the dude up. Yeah, lit him up. Absolutely lit him up. And that kind of enforcer we haven't really had in the secondary in a while. Uh, and it's not just that he's an enforcer. You, typically, you see guys like that that have maybe a little bit slower foot speed. That ain't the case of Otis Reese, man. Otis can move. Okay, Otis can move. Now he's nah, he's not going to cover as much ground as the count back there. No, he's not. He's like a, he's like a more of more athletic version of Trey Matthews. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, more athletic version of Trey Matthews. Like he can hit like that, but and I actually would say he might bring more the wood a little bit more than Trey Matthews did. But he he moves significantly better than Trey does or Trey did. Whatever. I don't know what Trey's doing right now. Uh, but I mean, I just I think Otis whew, the sky is the limit for that dude. He's going to be a very good player for us, and we've got to find ways to get him on the field more. And it, it doesn't kind of if you look at a guy like this, like Otis doesn't really play at all, especially meaningful moments until Kentucky. You give him some playing time there. I think he had like six or seven snaps in that game. A little bit more against Auburn. A little bit more against UMass. And look, now this guy is ready to be a major player for us down the stretch. Could we not say the same thing about Chain Tindall these next couple of weeks? Yeah, you, that's very fair. I mean, Otis Reese is, I mean, we didn't play him until very late, and now he's ready to be a big-time player for us. I really think he can be a, a difference-maker down the stretch for us if we use him the right way. I think you say the same thing about Chain Tindall. At this point, what do we have to lose to the inside linebacker? I mean, seriously, what do those guys are just not – God, it hurts me to say this. I, God, I feel bad saying this. I, I just don't think they're good enough right now. And we got to try something. We, we did it with Otis. Why can't we do it with Tindall? So – it's just something to put in your back pocket there. Just got to say that. But, yeah, I and maybe it's not start. I don't know what our plans, but I, I think he needs to have a, a pretty big role against Tech. He's the kind of guy that can really, really help defend that offense. Obviously, we'll preview that more later this week as we get closer to that game. I'm talking Tech all week. Uh, and I'm always nervous about playing Tech, man. That triple option offense just freaks me out, man. It just uh, it freaks me out. Ever since Stafford years, you've got to be. Yeah, it just freaks – I mean, because, like, everything you do defensively, like, all your your numbers defensively and how you defended teams all the, throughout the year, you can throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. Your numbers defensively through the first 11 games are entirely irrelevant because it's a totally different offense. It doesn't matter. So it's just I – don't, I don't even know how we're going to come out and defend it. It's just – yeah, it's going to be weird, man. So uh, – but I think he's the kind of guy with his speed and his ability to uh, tackle uh, and, his, and his size there as well. I think he can be a, a really big help – in defending this this tech offense. I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how we kind of employ him in this game. But, um, all right. Curry, anything else for you from last week's game? No. All right, man. Well, that does it for us here today, guys, on the Glory UGA Podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys joining us again here on the show. Again, uh, if you're not subscribed to us on Poppy, if you want access to our premium content, if you want our tech preview, you want all that good stuff leading up to the SEC title game here in a couple of weeks, definitely uh, – Subscribe today for only $2 a month. Go to our Twitter account, at Glory underscore UJ. If you don't do Twitter, then you can just go to Podbean and search for Glory UJ Podcast. And you can just, again, click that little yellow Buy Now button. 
boom, put in your information, you're good to go. Quick, easy process. So you get a free week there, so give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can just cancel. No big deal. No hard feelings at all. But uh, again, thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate everyone's support. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.